Would you pray with me as we begin again? Father, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word that instructs us and reminds us of your compassion for this world. Father, this morning I pray, teach us in this time. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be truly pleasing in your sight, our God, our Redeemer, our Healer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, have you guys heard this saying, and maybe you've said it before, it's like, you know, you don't judge anyone or you can't really truly understand anyone until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Meaning, don't begin to think you know what the other person's life is like until you've actually lived a life or kind of walk, put yourself in their shoes. You know, our kids, as they were growing up, we tried to teach them rules and we gave them not only rules, but we tried to give them some understanding as to why those rules were important to us. You know, we didn't grow up with the things that our kids grew up with today. And, and so we would try to give them appreciation for the things they had by showing them we, not, we didn't always have these things and you may not always have these things. And there are a lot of people around you that don't have these things. And so don't take them for granted. And to do that, to help them understand our desire for them would help them see things from our perspective, from our shoes. And I think it's funny, you know, that um, in a few years from now, you know, our kids that are going through this will have an opportunity to have those same kind of conversations with their children. You know, when their kids look at them and say, Dad, I don't understand. He says, why do we have to take hand sanitizer with us everywhere we go? And, and why do you have a gallon of it in your truck? And why is our closet filled with toilet paper? I, I don't get it, right? And we'll just be able to give them an understanding of like, well, you know, when I was your age, you know, there was this thing called a pandemic, and they're like, oh, here we go again, the pandemic. But we'll get that opportunity. You know, sometimes we have to do that. We have to, like, slow down a second and help people see things from different perspectives. And that happens sometimes when we come across God's Word. You know, that happened, what we saw today in the text, something that happened about 2,000 years ago and in a different culture than ours. And for us to not just read this and go, oh, well, Jesus healed a leper, and, a, and, a, and that is just so Jesus. It's like, well, yeah, it is, but there's a lot more going on here than, than just Jesus healing these people. I mean, it's a big deal, but there's, I think there's more going on, and for us to understand this, I think we have to try and put ourselves in the shoes of, these, of this ancient people, these people that are gathered there that day. And I think if we do that, if we can do that, then I think we can have a better appreciation, a better understanding of what Jesus is trying to teach them and why he's trying to teach us. And what I think is fascinating as I've thought about this is that I think this pandemic gives us some handles for that today. And here's what I mean. Think about this. You're standing in Jewel or you're standing in the grocery store, right? And you've got your mask on and you've got your hand sanitizer and you've got your kids with you and you're socially distancing from everybody around you and around the hundreds of people that are in the grocery store with you, right? And, and so you're standing there, and, and in off the street walks this guy that was just panhandling on the corner, and he's walking in, and, and he's not wearing a mask. And, and he's sneezing, and he's coughing, and he's wiping his nose with his sleeve, and, and, and he's walking towards you. And you're backing up, and people are backing up, and they're giving him a wide berth, and, and you're yelling, Where's your mask? Where's your mask? Where's your mask? And he keeps walking, but then all of a sudden you catch this other person start walking toward him. And you're like, what are you doing? COVID, 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 what are you doing? And that, that is so similar to what's happening right here in Matthew. 
See, Jesus is coming down the mountain after he's preached this sermon on the mount. And you see all these people huddled together, which makes you nervous today. But you see all these people like this. And they're listening to him, and, and, and he's teaching like nobody else has taught. And they're amazed. And it says as he comes down the mountain, they're following him. So there's this huge crowd of people around Jesus. And then we see all of a sudden there's this leper that like throws himself at Jesus' feet. And that scene would have been very much like that scene in the jewel. Because leprosy in Jesus' day was highly contagious and there was no cure. And if you contracted leprosy, you had to socially distance, not just for 14 days, but for the rest of your life because there was no cure. And so they were forced to live away from everyone. And so to see a leper in the midst of a crowd like this would have been just like, that's insane. What are you doing? And people would have probably scattered and started to run and yelled, leper, leper, leper. And then they would have turned around and they would have seen Jesus reaching out his hand toward this guy to which they would have said, what is he doing? Unclean, unclean, unclean. And Jesus reaches out and and he heals him and he touches him which this man probably had not been touched by another human being for such a long time. And they would have been like, what is he doing? And then as the man stands up and they look back and see him, he's clean. The leprosy's gone. And they had to have looked and said, what is going on here? See, there's a lot more going on here than we know. Jesus tells the leper to stand up and go to Jerusalem and, 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 tell, and show himself to the priest. See, there's something else going on here. And what's going on here is he sends him to Jerusalem to tell the priest. Why? Because that was the law. That was the Levitical law. Leviticus 13 and 14 instructed how the children of Israel were to, what they were to do to bring a leper back into the community once they'd been healed. There was a whole a whole set of rules and ways to follow and cleansing and investigation that would go on. And that was only to be done by the priest. The priest could say somebody had leprosy or they could say somebody was clean, but it was only the priest that could do that. And so Jesus sends him to the priest in Jerusalem. It would have been a whole seven-day ritual of, of presenting himself, being sent outside the camp. They would have investigated the thing. They would have brought him back in. If he was still clean, Then he would have gone through this ritual cleansing process, and then he would have been brought back into the community. And so why is that so significant here? Well, it's so significant because there's no recording in the Jewish teachings or in Scripture of any Jew ever being healed from leprosy since the time the Torah was given. Miriam, Moses' sister, had leprosy, but she was healed after a week, and it was before God gave the law. So these two chapters in Leviticus were dealing with a sickness, a disease that they never used until this day. So you can sort of see that maybe God instructs Moses about this law, about how do you you welcome in a leper, not for the time in the 1,500 years, but for this day. This day that was written. 
because it was a testimony to the priest and to the, to the leaders in Jerusalem that the Messiah was here, that Jesus was the Messiah. See, a lot of people say, well, Jesus never said he was God, never said he was the Messiah. But see, you don't understand the context. To understand the context, you need to put yourself into their shoes and see it from their perspective. And they would have clearly seen that he was saying, I am the Messiah, and the Messiah is here. He would have said that to the leper and to everybody that was watching, and that's what they would have been thinking, like, oh, my gosh, is this the Messiah? I mean, we just heard his teaching. Wow, we just saw him do something that no one has done. Every time Jesus healed, he's testifying to the fact that he's the Messiah. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said. As he's healing the leper, he's saying it clearly, if you understand the context. And then he says it clearer to the, to the followers of John the Baptist. See, John the Baptist was in prison. And John the Baptist was wondering, is Jesus really the Messiah? If I'm going to die for this guy, I really want to know if he's the Messiah. So he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask that question, are you really the one? To which Jesus says to John's disciples, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Go back and tell John what you see and what you hear. And John will know that I am the Messiah. Why? Because 700 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah said that's exactly what the Messiah would do when he came. He would heal the deaf, the blind, the cripple, and the leper. So it's clear from the text. If you put yourself into their shoes, you know Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah and I am here. And the miracles testify to that. But Jesus is also, I believe, doing more than just testifying to his divinity. I believe he's trying to produce faith in those that see him and encourage the faith of those around him. They're wondering, and he's encouraging them to believe that. But I also believe there's something remarkable that's going on here. Jesus is showing us something here. He's showing you and I and everyone of us that call us call ourselves disciples. He's showing us what it means to be human. See, Jesus understood what it was to be human. I think sometimes we, we see Jesus as God and we talk about him being God and he performed these miracles because he was the Messiah and he was God. But I think sometimes we forget that Jesus was human, 100% man. And he grew up in this culture. And he saw, as a child growing up, lepers ostracized and kept out of the community and talked about and thought of as less than. And you don't go near them, and you don't want to talk to them. This culture was full of that, of, of distancing themselves from the people they thought were unclean or unworthy. And Jesus witnessed that as a child growing up. And now here as he begins his ministry, we're told that Jesus has compassion upon these people. That he's seen over and over again, ostracized and marginalized. And Jesus says to you and I today that to be human means to have compassion. Every time Jesus heals, we see that he says, it's told us that he has compassion. Mark's gospel recording the same same healing says, God, Jesus had great compassion upon this man. 
As followers of Jesus, we too are called to have compassion upon the hurting around us. And we too are called to bring healing. See, Jesus didn't just limit this miraculous gift to himself. He gave it to his disciples. We read later that he sends out 12 of his disciples, and then he sends out 72 in his authority to go and cast out demons and to heal sickness. And and when they come back, they report that they actually did those things. But the question is, does, does he still do that today? Right? Does Jesus still heal that way through us today? And some would say, no, he doesn't do that anymore. That that all ended with the apostles. But that would be contrary to what Scripture teaches us. Because Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says this. He says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, he's not talking about the fruits of the Spirit. He's talking about a different thing, the manifestation of the Spirit. And there he lists gifts like wisdom and prophecy and teaching. Then he goes on to say to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them, meaning God, the Spirit, to them each one just as he determines. God still distributes, not just to the apostles, but to the church for the common good of the church. For the same reasons to testify to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. To produce faith, to encourage one another. But also to have compassion upon the people around us. See, Jesus still heals today, miraculously, through the manifestation of the Spirit. He gifts some with that gift to heal as he determines. Not as we determine, but as he determines. And we need to be listening to the Spirit because Jesus still heals miraculously today. And maybe you know someone in your life that has has experienced that healing. But I believe he also heals in other ways. See, a lot of times in our naturalistic worldview, once we understand something or we understand and can describe what it is we see, we sort of dismiss God from that realm. Right? Well, now that we know that how the earth moves, and now that we know we sort of dismiss God from that, now that we know that penicillin cures polio and what penicillin does and what other things do, we sort of say, well, now that we understand that, we dismiss God from that. And we have to remind ourselves that James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes from the Father in heaven. And so even this vaccine that's being rolled out this week is a gift from God. It's God healing hand through the scientists, through the, through the pharmaceutical companies. It's God working. We believe that. And we be- believe God uses the healing hands of nurses and doctors and, and therapists and people gifted to heal and to care for. But he also calls us, his church, to have compassion upon those around us. And to some, he gives that gift of healing. And he calls them to heal where he calls them to heal. We believe God still heals today. He is the great physician. Which then I think also begs the question, doesn't it? Then, then why doesn't he heal all the time? If God is the great physician, if God desires us to heal and comfort people, why doesn't he do that all the time? Someone asks you, 
if God is all good, then why doesn't he always heal? How would you answer that question? Well, I would hope that we learned a little bit from our last series and when we talked about having these spiritual conversations. Ravi Zacharias, the late Ravi Zacharias, tells us that always to remember there's a questioner behind every question. That we can sometimes give a right answer to the wrong question. And to understand their perspective, to truly understand that person, we need to ask questions to understand the question we're actually answering. And so if someone were to ask you that question, I think a good response would be to ask another question. Like, you know, that's a really good question. Why is it you ask me that question? And if their answer is something like, well, you know, I was at work the other day and I heard this discussion happening and, and in my head I'm thinking, I don't know how I'd answer that question. And I, and I started me wondering, why, why doesn't he as well? And, and what would I say? And if that were the answer to the question, if that were truly the question, then I think I might answer that question a little differently. I think I might say to that person or maybe give them an illustration to help them understand something like this. Like, have you seen the play, that Andrew Lloyd Webber play, Jesus Christ Superstar, where, you know, it's, it's not a very orthodox picture of who Jesus is, but there's a beautiful play, and there's this scene on the Temple Mount where Jesus is on the Temple Mount, and there are all these people that are sick and, and disease gathered around him, people with leprosy and people that are blind and people that are crippled and the poor, and they're gathering around Jesus, and more and more are coming, and they're pressing in on him, and they're all saying, Jesus, heal me, Jesus, touch me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, touch me. Jesus, I'm poor. Jesus, I'm crippled. Jesus, I'm blind. Jesus, I have leprosy. Heal me. Jesus, heal me. And you get this picture of this pressing in of these people, and you see on Jesus' face this look of compassion and being overwhelmed by the disease and the sickness and the hurting around him. And Andrew Lloyd Webber does a beautiful job of giving us a, the picture of the humanity of Jesus. Because how could we hold up underneath this? But then I think he goes one step too far. He goes one step too far and he tries to step into Jesus' shoes. Because in the next scene where we hear Jesus cry out, stop pushing, stop shoving, stop pushing, stop shoving. Heal yourself. Rather, get away from me. I've had enough of you people. Right? Andrew Lloyd Webber is like stepping into Jesus' shoes because he's thinking, well, if I were Jesus, that's what I'd do. You know, I could see Jesus doing that because that's exactly what I would do. But that's not what Jesus does. Right? Even at the end of this text, we see that night that all the sick and people demon-possessed came to Peter's house. And they all came and he said he healed every one of them. See, one of the th mistakes that, that Andrew Lloyd Webber makes that sometimes we make is that while Jesus steps into our shoes, we think we can step into his. But we can't. We can't. Sometimes we go beyond where we're called to go. Sometimes we step into his shoes thinking we could be like him, and we say, well, that all ended with the apostles because we don't have an answer. Or we go beyond by saying, well, Jesus has healed everyone. They're just not living in the healing that God has already given them. They don't have enough faith or there's unbelief keeping them from the healing that God already has. See, both are, are stepping into shoes that we're not qualified to step into. 
Because God's word doesn't tell us why he doesn't. In every situation, it doesn't tell us. And so our response can only be, I don't know. But even, I think, if he could tell us, could we still comprehend? Michelle Karishi, uh, uh, the widow of uh, the late Nabil Karishi, is a, he's a Christian apologist, a pastor who several years ago died of stomach cancer. And she was commenting about his death on her blog where she said, you know, if God were to sit us down and to explain to us why Nabil died at that time while we were praying for healing, I don't believe we could understand because we're not God. See, God holds all of human history and, and the future and all of humankind in his hands. She said, and Nabil and I are but a string in that great tapestry. How could we ever begin to think we could understand all there is to know about God and why he does what he does? But he's, she says, but here's one thing I do know. God is unchanging. He's unchanging in his character, and he's unchanging in his goodness. And while I can't understand everything, I can trust him. Because I know that he is good, and I know that he is working all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. See, while we don't know all the answers, we can know God and his character. The answer is, I don't know why, but I know God does, and I trust him. But now, what if the response to your question, why do you ask me that question, the answer is different? The answer goes something like this. Well, the reason I ask you that, because when my son was in the hospital and I prayed for him to be healed, he wasn't. Why is it that when I prayed to God that he didn't heal my son? Why is that? Now, see, that's a different question. And I think it requires a different response. See, rather than a, a trite answer, maybe a true answer would not be the appropriate answer in this situation. When Jesus was confronted with the leper before him, he touched him. He spoke to him. He looked at him. When Jesus came across people, he sat with them. He cried with them. Why, can our first, why cannot our first response be one of, of compassion? One of, of crying with, of mourning with, of grieving with, being angry with. praying with, praying for. You know, when Jesus came upon the death of his friend Lazarus and Mary and Martha said, where have you been? Jesus wept with them. He cried out in anger. When Job was inflicted with boils and sores over his entire body and his friends heard about it, they came and they sat with him in the ash heap for seven days, not saying a word. When my father died four and a half years ago, and I was at his memorial, and as I looked up and I see my friends from Trinity standing in the back of the room, 
I was overcome with emotion. Because, see, my friends had driven five and a half hours from here to Washington, Missouri, just to be with me and my family. We should not underestimate the healing power of community and the healing power of friendship and compassion and empathy. Jesus is calling us to do the same, to be empathetic, not to be analytic in some situations, but just to be present, to offer the healing power of compassion. But at some point, at some point, we must, and, and don't you feel we must give more, we must give an answer. We must be able to provide more and, and, and help this grieving person, this mother in this situation, understand that I haven't, maybe I haven't walked in your shoes, but I know that there's a God who sees you, and that is why I'm here. So that you would know that there's a God who understands what you're going through. There's a God who has walked in your shoes. There's a God who watched his son die. And this God actually sent his son into the world to die for your son. So that this disease that took your son would no longer afflict him that he would have the complete healing that Jesus earned for him on the cross so that he could spend eternity with God himself. And not just that, so that you and your son could one day be reunited in heaven, not just for a few years, but forever. See, we have a God who stepped into our shoes and knows exactly what it's like to be human and knows exactly the hurt and the heartache of losing those we love and watching the marginalized and disenfranchised suffer all around him. And he calls us, his people, his disciples, those that love him, to be the compassionate people in this world and to offer healing through our presence, through the healing word of the gospel, and to some that he's gifted with that spiritual gift to heal and to see God miraculously do what he did in this story. We're called to be the people that bring healing because we serve a God who is a healer. But I want to make one thing clear. Over and over again, we see Jesus healing. But I would say that is not the reason Jesus came. I believe Jesus healed because it testified to who he was. It produced faith and it also cured and had, he had compassion upon people. But Jesus himself said, the reason I came was to seek and save the lost. Jesus in healing people said, this life matters. But what matters most is that they would spend eternity with me that they would have everlasting life. That is what is of ultimate importance. And that is what gives us the hope to persevere through the suffering, through the pain, through the time when he does not heal because we know this is not the end. But we know God knows, and he's with us, and he's working all things for good. And so while we don't know, we know there's a God who does. 
And he is the great physician because he has healed the one disease there is no cure for. Only the blood of his son wipes away that disease. And he gives that to us freely. And it doesn't take two doses. He is the great healer. And he calls us to bring that healing into this world. This messy Christmas, we have a beautiful opportunity to do that within our families and our communities. I pray this messy, messy Christmas that God blesses you as you bless others around you. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, true healer of the world, we give you thanks for your sacrifice. When we stop and try to understand we see a God who suffers, a God who mourns, and we see a God who heals. Father, while you step into our shoes, we recognize that we cannot step into yours, but we can walk in your son's footsteps. And so we pray to you this morning, confessing that oftentimes we don't, we step beyond our station. We step beyond where we can. Remind us this morning of who we are and what you can do. Father, we give you thanks and praise for your healing hand. In Jesus' name, amen.